Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me today to discuss a uh, total stinker at home against shit on the Memphis, I got three good friends of mine. First up, uh, for, to say hello, you know him, you love him. His name's Steve Serino. Serino, what's good, man? All good here, man. Uh, went to... Another concert since, uh, actually two concerts since last show. Um, got sucked into a mosh pit at one and uh, banged my head really hard again to give myself a sore neck at work. Uh, I went to Day to Remember last week and saw Metallica the other day. I, I was going to make a joke about your, your mosh at the Billy Joel show, but took that away from me. Ah, yeah. No, I didn't go to Billy Joel. I actually, my brother-in-law had two tickets that he did not use and uh, failed to extend one to me, so kind of bummed me out. I wanted to go to Billy Joel. Yeah, that's not buddies at all. No. Everyone I talked to who went to the Metallica show said it was uh, it was fantastic. It was. And I will say that uh, Greta Van Fleet, um, they stole the show, in my opinion. They, they sound fantastic live. I mean, absolutely fantastic live. I, and that's what everyone told me as well. It, for what I thought could have been a, a kind of an overpriced... Uh, legacy show it turned out to be pretty good or so i was told yeah yeah definitely a little overpriced but yeah great show seth you a greta van fleet fan seth's on the show by the way yeah, I, I enjoy greta van fleet uh i just think it's funny that people still think that like or i guess they're really not relevant but like after the absolute stinker that was saint anger that metallica still <laughs> has any credibility at all they so. addressed that during the show did they really? They straight up said, we know we get a lot of shit for that that uh, album, but we're going to play a song from it, and you guys are going to listen to it. <laughs> Something to that effect. And, uh, yeah. I'm still I'm still being shitty towards them about the whole Napster thing. That's yeah. way back. Yeah. That was way back. Yeah, like a two way or something, right? When it comes to grudges, I got to do what I got to do. I still Grudge don't have Dan. Netflix because I was annoyed that when they separated the uh, the streaming from the DVDs. That was LimeWire. Yeah. Dan frequents the Red Box every Friday night to catch his latest movie that he wants to watch. <laughs> Damn right. They took the, they took the Red Box away from the the local CVS around here, and that uh, like you just see like the four little posts where the where the box used to stand. But enough about Dan's that. And just now watching Iron Man three. <laughs> do what I gotta do. <laughs> Also join us today, making his third appearance on the pod. It's uh, yes, Mr. Tim Lawson, Bet the USL, The Better Life, for another 11 or 12 episodes or something, whatever that is. Timmy, how you been? Uh, I'm well, I'm well. I got uh, I got action in a few games here. Uh, the USL is coming down to a very... Uh, the East is, you know, the, the East is interesting just in like the top four or five, but like the West has like a, like a seventh spot uh race going on you know dipping way below the playoff line even so uh the west is going to give us some excitement uh down the stretch here i think yeah we'll get in that a bit but it is it, it's weird how the east is you have your your top seven not pretty much set it, they're set unless someone does an amazing run or an amazing nosedive and then the west is still wide wide open including a, a sacramento that is getting up for a u.s uh open cup final and then they're still they could be anywhere between hosting in the first round of the playoffs to potentially just being out um crazy crazy times out west 
that's why I'm okay with us being out here in the East, even though the Hounds will have a have a say in how the West finishes out after, in the last month. But that comes later on the podcast. We have to start, unfortunately, with a snoozer, stinker, shit fest, however you want to phrase it. 2-0 loss uh, at home against Memphis. It is the second home loss on the season for the Hounds. I will just throw it out there right now. I have missed two game, two home games this year, and they were the Tampa Bay game and the Memphis game. So I have yet to see a, a loser at home. Uh, with that well, said, I will be missing a uh, third game, and that will be the San Antonio home game. Uh, so maybe jot that one down as soon as the lines come out. Uh, I mean, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Yeah. I think uh, I don't think you're allowed to. I don't think you're allowed to miss a big, uh, big match for, for the rest of the season now. No, nah, I'm missing that San Antonio one. Um, it happens sometimes. What can I say? <sighs> Let's lead off here with with uh, Memphis. It was a two nil loss. Um, if you look at the stats behind it, though, I'm I'm not as convinced it was as poor of a showing as two nil would would indicate. Uh, with a couple of caveats on maybe goalkeeping and like some defensive lapses. But it wasn't like this was a, a Hounds team that didn't have their chances. You got uh, Dan Kelly again in the woodwork, who, who's now probably done that more than he's actually put the ball in the net. Um, and a Hounds defense that limited the chances, but when, when Memphis took their shots, they went in. Uh, two shots on frame, two goals. For, uh, for the away team, and that's how it rolls. Uh, Tim, we'll start with you. What, what was your, your general thoughts in that game, and is 2-0 an appropriate scoreline for how the events unfolded? I'm really surprised that Pittsburgh didn't get one uh, because it did create some quality chances. There actually was actually better than Memphis's um, uh, coming out of the game but uh what the data that I was looking at I didn't see what the what um uh that one account that tweets out uh XG had for the game but the the data that I follow, follow had uh Pittsburgh actually competing with Mets, uh, with Memphis uh in XG look Laurent Kissiadou uh is like a game changer for that team you know he he was a big reason why they went on their uh, what ten or eleven game run where they uh, where they only lost one match and they won eight of those. Then he gets hurt and they kind of flounder a little bit. And then he comes back into the lineup. And this is, uh, you know, Pittsburgh. This was the first time a team had to account for Kisiadu being in the starting eleven again. Right? He had been rotated in uh, as a sub the past couple, but um, this was the first match where you have to prep for. Uh, Goodrum and Kiss you do, uh, and you know, um, and that potent attack coming at you. And I, I thought Pittsburgh uh, did a did an okay job, but um, I'll admit I was, <laughs> I was, I had about four matches on my TV that day, so I didn't get to uh, dissect the uh, the play like uh, like others may have. But I, I, if I was, I wouldn't read into it too much. Uh, that's a really strong Memphis team um, that was, uh, I think, just just came out as the better side, and they had their they had the best of their squad to do it uh, in a game where uh, I think they were finally back. You know, the band was officially back together. Um, so as a uh, as a neutral, I guess I should say that that was my take on it. Seth, coming out of the game, what? 
what stood out to you? Was it was 2-0 an appropriate scoreline? Did it favor the away team a little too much? And are you any closer to, to locating the panic button back in June um, now after that loss at home? Not really. Uh, I, I, don't, I think, like, panic buttons put pretty far back in the closet still at this point. I, I, I missed the first 15 of the match, uh, and by the time I turned it on, they were already down 1-0, and it just kind of felt like they were a little flat uh, from my perspective. Um, I talked to Logan on Sunday as we were golfing, and he kind of said that traffic was a little bit of a nightmare with the Steeler preseason game, and there was some troubles with the parking lot. And by the time a lot of people made it to their seats, they were already down 1-0, and it kind of didn't have that big game atmosphere that I think we were kind of anticipating on last week's show that was going to be there. And it kind of seemed like the team kind of replicated that lack of emotion in it. Um, but, you know, I, I think as we get closer to the end of the season, it's uh, definitely uh, marquee win season. Everybody's trying to talk about, you know, who's everybody, who's everybody beaten those kind of like big wins. And I, I was really kind of hoping that this would be like that win, like be brief in the memory for the hounds fans and the rest of the league as far as that went and it, it still it still feels like we're kind of lacking in that category at this point steve you were you were there does this uh this uh assessment via logan is that match up the how you experience the game uh crowd a little flat team a little flat and and it lost kind of the luster that that maybe it needed to have yeah can confirm everything that uh, Seth just said via Logan. Um, crowd did seem kind of flat for whatever reason. Um, I was expecting it to be a little more lively there, and I think that early goal just took this, you know, wind rate out of the sails of that whole crowd. Um, Hounds shortly after had a couple chances. It seemed like we were going to answer back quickly too, but just couldn't make it happen. But yeah, for whatever reason, the crowd was just not into it. In my opinion, it was a beautiful night. Um, you know, weather was great at the stadium. Um, I mean, we did have a lot of new people in the Steel Army section. Um, couldn't get the chance down. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it should have been should have been a memorable night. And it just kind of did seem fairly flat uh, on the pitch and in the stadium, just as far as the atmosphere goes. However, it sounds like like tailgate was was primo. I would say, yeah, of all tailgates, that was. I mean probably top two tailgate for me, at least as far as I can remember. Uh, we kicked back uh, Thunderstruck by like only a total of about 15 minutes. Um, and that seemed to just make a world of a difference. Um, as silly as that sounds. Um, we also had uh, Russell's, I think it was his fiance. I don't think it was his sister. Pretty sure it was his fiance and, and his dad. I know it was his dad for sure, but I can't remember who the girl was, his fiance or sister. Um, they were part of Thunderstruck. Um, they were like maybe two people over from me. And after they got the whole concept down to how to play, they were really enjoying it. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great tailgate. Um, great atmosphere there. Definitely confirmed. That was definitely one of the better, if not the best tailgate, um, for sure. Good to hear. I'm uh, annoyed that I missed it now that I, I heard it went so well, and I'll have to make up for it uh, in a couple days on Saturday. Uh, 
Is there any individual players that you have a bit more concern with now after after Saturday? Uh, I know it's the thing that I've been harping on all year in the last month or six weeks. We've been quiet about it because the position was was settled, and that's uh, the goalkeeping spot. Jamal Waite locked down the number one spot, and here we have him going uh, 0-for-2 on, on saves for uh, shots on frame and not looking particularly good in the process. Uh, I, I'm i not sure if it's enough to actually upset him as number one or give, give Silver another look at it, but it, even being in a position that at least I wasn't totally sold on. It just puts a little more doubt into the strength of our, our goalkeeping core uh, going into these last 10 matches that hopefully turns into 14 matches. Um, but as we concerned, Seth, is there any, any individuals that stuck out to you in, on the poor side that you're now questioning their, their, their spot on the depth chart? Um, I know he is a frequent topic of conversation, but oh, no. uh, I'm, I'm going to you know, slap the hood and how many Shane Wheats can you fit in this bad boy? Uh, yeah, I, he he had a stinker. You know, I think I can't remember which episode it was. I said, you know, for a center back, that's really kind of like your third center back role back there. You really just either don't want to mention him at all. Or you want to like say like oh he had an assist or a header off of a set piece that got us the win, and he was less than stellar on Saturday definitely. Uh, but just to speak to the goalkeeping situation, I'm really hard pressed at this point to think that that's even a topic of conversation in Bob's office. Like Bob really seems to like after that first 10, 15 games mark, he really likes to lock in his number one and go from there. So I really don't think we're going to see any shakeup on the back line as far as far as that goes. Tim, you were doing the multi-screen on Saturday, but is there uh, any players that stood out to you as uh, particularly poor on the Hounds' side? No, uh, I can't say that I I noticed um, any sort of poor performance, but I I, I will say that as as it pertains to uh, as it as it pertains to the uh, the goalkeeper. I mean, I, I, I think he's the right keeper. I mean, I, I think, I mean, he's, um, you know, he's still conceding less than a goal per 90, um, which I, I don't know if you could really ask better of a, uh, of a goalkeeper. Um, you know, not a lot of, you know, especially in the last five, six matches, what is it? Uh, if the Memphis, Memphis game notwithstanding, was it two, was it two goals in four matches or three goals? Um, so, I I think Waits is the uh, is the, is still the right answer um, to uh, for the goalkeeper for in Pittsburgh. And now close off with this. We'll we'll put a little bow on this game. Uh, now ten games left. This loss uh, combined with what Birmingham done the weekend slots the the Hounds down the fifth, uh, but only by a point. So with all that said. Take this game and what means for even on the short term and the long term on the season. Was this loss a big deal, little deal, no deal? And Storino, lead us off. Big deal, little deal, no deal. I'd say little deal. Um, I mean, we went up against, um, for the most part, pretty even competition. So 
game probably could have fell either way. A big deal as far as, I mean, they're in conference. You don't want to lose those points um, against an in-conference team. Um, and I think they, do they still have a game at hand on us. No, we're, it's all even now. Or, it is yeah, all even between now. Between us and Birmingham? Yeah. Um, yes, all square. Okay. And they are currently uh, at the hour mark, nil-nil with Detroit. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, not too concerning, like Seth said earlier. I, I, I would say the panic button's still deep in my closet. I'm not, I'm not panicking. And just to piggyback to, if there were to be, you know, a situation where we do want to experiment at all with switching out a keeper, um, going into this upcoming weekend would be the game to do it against Sugar Free, for sure. Tim, big deal, little deal, no deal. Uh, I think in. I think it's a big deal in so Pitt, Pittsburgh's like remain uh, remainder remainder schedule is really interesting in having four Western Conference games to finish out the season. It's actually the only team in the top in the top half of the Eastern Conference that has to like to have a um, a schedule like that. So it's a big deal in the sense of trying to climb up into one of the like it, like trying to make a run for for two, uh, the two spot in the East. It's a little deal in the sense that I still think that they can, um, with a little bit of luck, can get to the two spots. And I still think if they if they play, if Bob Lee plays game theory well enough in the last 10 games here, I think three, like you can still make a nice push up, get a good spot in the playoffs and do most of your playoff uh, run at home. So you're taking, so you're going big deal or little deal? Could you kind of split the difference? Well, respect the question, I mean, Lawson. Okay. Well, I, I, ultimately, I'm going to say I'm going to say little deal because I, I don't. I know I'm on the river. I know I'm on a Riverhounds uh, podcast, and I probably oh, you don't have you don't have to homer towards us. Come on now. Oh, very good. Well, I'll just say it. I I think I I, I mean I was on I was on Memphis. Uh, I thought that like like I that's a tough game. The thing that Pittsburgh, the thing the Riverhounds have, have going for them, they're one of the few teams in the East that are going to say they got to split games with Memphis just because of the they played them the, in the first week and, and and got that win. Most teams aren't going to be able to say they, uh, you know, unless you're Louisville or, or, or Tampa, say so you had the opportunity to uh, go toe to toe with uh, you know a team like that and and get three points from them even on uh, in one of the games. So, um, I, it, in my eyes, losing a game was losing one point and not three. Please don't at me. That's cool. Seth, <laughs> uh, everyone's going little deal. Are you the same? I'll go big deal. Ooh. I'll say. Hot take. I'll say it's a big deal in the sense that we, you know, no fixture congestion, uh, no injury concerns. You have basically the full gamut of roster to choose from against a team that you're battling for that third spot with. I, I I think the output was relatively lackluster, so I'm I'm kind of concerned in the fact that you, they couldn't get up for that kind of a game. Fair enough. You defended your hot your hotter take. Not not totally spicy, but hottish. All right, let's take that and look at the table as it stands. Now there are two games going on right now. Uh, one is an all Eastern battle between Birmingham. In Detroit, and then Memphis is playing uh, New Mexico in a cross-conference match. So, 
as it stands right now, being 9.26 p.m. on Wednesday, the Hounds sit in fifth uh, on the live table, two points back of Birmingham, who, uh, including the game being played now, would be on 25 games played, and the Hounds would be on 24 games played, so they would have a game in hand, but at this point, two points back. Above them is the Rowdies in third on 48. Uh, that's five points above Pittsburgh. Memphis live table puts them at 49, and Louisville all the way up in 52. And then back behind the Hounds, you have to drop six points to get to the Miami. Uh, also with Detroit, again, taking a point on that live table at 37. And then there's your playoff line down to 28 with Tulsa, and that's uh, basically where the, the picture has to end right there. So, at the moment, two points back of Birmingham for the on for fourth place. We have Birmingham at the Hounds on the 14th of September. Uh, without looking at the entire schedule yet, because we'll do that in a few minutes, uh, is that looking to be like the biggest game of the season? Or I'll say it is the biggest game of the season. If you disagree with that, please speak up. All right. Uh, of those teams, we just went through the top well, seven, and then uh, we talked about Tulsa there in eighth. Tim, we'll start with you. Is there a team you could see realistically making a decent move up or down uh, those top seven spots more than more than a spot from where they are now? So, in the in the in the rest of the season, uh, Tulsa plays. Indy twice, they play Hartford twice, they play Loudon once, Atlanta once, uh, and then they have some, I guess, I guess Memphis and Louisville are the two games that are, that are be tricky for them. And then they also play Detroit, who they're right behind. Look, if Detroit doesn't, Detroit needs to watch out. I mean, I know it's, it's uh, you know, it's eight points, it's a lot of ground to overcome, but uh, Tulsa is slowly starting to to find something they're they're beating good teams right they beat birmingham they beat miami who's not a bad team and tulsa doesn't have to play that like tulsa doesn't have to play good teams they can rack up three points uh they could get nine points in their next in their next three matches uh and if detroit can't put a few matches away uh you know if they get unlucky or 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 just or unprepared or just have to you know go up against a, a, a more difficult schedule uh, I can see Tol- I can see the last ha- few weeks uh, Tulsa knocking at the door and Detroit possibly having to sweat that a little bit. But of course, that assumes that Miami keeps pace and also doesn't doesn't slip. But um, and I also think, and I can get into this, uh, you know, now or later. But I, I think Pittsburgh has quick, an opportunity. Quick update: to, Detroit to- just went up on Birmingham one nut one nil. All right. Well, they must have heard me talking. <laughs> they were like, well. Doubt me if you will. That's uh, here you go. Here's here's the goal. Okay. Well, they're they're doing their job. I think you know if I was if I was Pittsburgh, I'm just gonna say this now because I'm not quite sure where this fits in uh, in in this. If um if I was planning for the next handful of games, and if you know if I like I'm not a, I'm not a, ma- a soccer manager. I don't claim to be one or understand the complexities of preparing for a game a game in and out. But you know New York, Atlanta, Charleston, Loudon. I would be game planning to to go balls out to get three points in every one of those games, and then I would rotate against Louisville and take the L, and then go to bat with Birmingham, who you're going to have to try to leapfrog, play a beatable Orange County, 
San Antonio, who knows who knows if they three three games back how hard they need to to keep things. So that that's that could be a, a winnable game depending on what they need out of their team. Uh, and then Sacramento and Oakland both beatable. Um, I know no one wants the likes the idea. I'm sure fans are probably rolling their eyes the idea that you would let Louisville come in and and sort of uh, not give them a competitive match. But why ex- exhaust your starters in a in a match that's going to naturally be difficult and just go balls out on getting 12 points in the next four games and then um, meticulously trying to uh, to take care of matches beyond Louisville. Uh, if I was if I was game planning for the for the next uh, couple months, that would be my approach. The only the, I in a bubble, I agree with you because I'm always I was always being a fan of take the point <laughs> and Birmingham immediately scored to make it one one. Uh, <laughs> in a bubble, I would agree with that. The only reason I I'd push back on that Louisville schedule going into the Hounds game. This is they are playing Wednesday the thirty first, Saturday the third. Wednesday the seventh, and then Pittsburgh Saturday the tenth. So they were going Wednesday Saturday, Wednesday Saturday. I f- that should be a pretty tired, and that's away home, away home. So that's with travel. That cannot be the freshest Louisville team going coming to Pit- coming to Pittsburgh that day. If not for that, I would agree with you. Okay, that's fair. Seth. We're on the same. We're on the same cycle though. As far as fixtures go, no, we're it, uh, the hounds are we're, the hounds are all Wednesday. They're Saturday, all Saturdays except for a single oh, no, Saturday. Right. They have one the Wednesday Monday game right. left. The, all the two left: Char, Charleston and Birmingham. Oh, I forgot about that one. Damn it! Yeah, yeah, you forgot about the battery. Always forget about the battery. Uh, and then the other side part of this is there's now scuttlebutt. Uh, about okay, let's go down the path now for for why the hell not? Uh, MLS is moving Orlando City's game before the Open Cup final uh, to give them more rest going into the final, and now people are are sharpening up the pitchforks. Uh, why asking why the why the USL has not moved the Louisville uh, Sacramento game um, moved it off of the current date to give uh, to to give. Sacramento of a longer rest going into the Open Cup final. It doesn't seem like that that Louisville Sacramento game is going to get moved, but but who knows? Um, but I think it's it's certainly in in the Hounds' interest that the game not get moved and keep Louisville on that Wednesday Saturday Wednesday Saturday run. Um, anyways, Seth, if you're if you're Sacramento though, do you show up for that game that Louisville game if you have to play it? No way, no way. Right, like I don't, you, I don't think so. You either. prepare for an open cup final, right? Like you do, right? You don't, you don't, you don't possibly, you know, injure a player or anything. Like Sacramento, sure, they want to make the playoffs, and that's probably important. But like you're a USL team in the open cup final, like there should be no greater thing to them in the next month than that. I agree. I just, I found it weird that that everyone was getting riled up that MLS moved a game to to accommodate Orlando and. USL, who would you would think have more interest in, in helping their their club do the same, and it hasn't happened, and now people are getting all. Getting USL all... sucks at scheduling stuff, man. Like, but you don't even forcing, we don't even know if Sacramento even teams asked to for play it. more quickly than they're supposed to. Like when when New Mexico got to just beat up on a Phoenix team that had nothing but uh, um, uh, you know reserve players in it and all that sort of you know the 
USL scheduling, giving Pittsburgh like four uh, Western teams at the end of their schedule. Like, what's the point? Of, there's there's no like playoff heat at the end of the, the USL schedulers. Uh, not not a good showing from them. And funny enough, this seems to be one of their stronger years because usually there's a lot of really goofy stuff. Like they're, they're, we're at least at the point now where, where, where we don't have one team playing five games more than another team at some point in the year. By the way, uh, Yost, you were right. I got my third goal in Atlanta in at the death. Paid the man. Or what? Well, well called. Nice. All right. Uh, Serena, we haven't heard from you in a while. Do you see any of these teams in the seven, and I guess we'll include Tulsa at eighth, making a, a, a sizable move up or down the table in these last ten to eleven games? No, not at all. I think top three teams are pretty much locked up. Four, five, and six are pretty much locked up amongst those three teams as well. I don't see Tulsa having the run that Tim suggested. I think Detroit, or I'm sorry, I think Miami's going to stay in seventh. Tulsa's probably going to be in eighth. A lot would have to happen for Tulsa to jump up the chart that far. I don't see it happening. So I would say top three are definitely going to be Louisville, Memphis, Tampa, which I think Louisville's going to take it. Birmingham, Pittsburgh, Detroit, four, five, and six. I think we may move up to fourth, and that's about it. Only because I want the home playoff game, and I think seventh, eighth stays as it is. Seth, do you agree with that, or do you see a team making yeah. making a move or, or a total plunge? No. So I I pulled up five thirty eighths projections for the East, and they have it pretty static the rest of the way. The only thing that interests me is they do have the Hounds finishing above Birmingham. They have us finishing on 61 and Birmingham finishing on 59. Uh, so that means that out of the last 10, the Hounds are only picking up, what is that, 18 points? So that, I think, is the kind of the more shocking thing of, of it to me because they have Memphis finishing a third at 66, Tampa at 69, nice, and Loose City at 73. So there's really... The way they have this, uh, you know, the pro- way the projections are kind of saying that they think it's going to play out is that there's really pretty much a match in between most of these positions that a, a couple draws or a loss aren't really going to upset the apple cart too much. I, I've stopped putting too much weight in 538, but that's just me. Maybe I'm still the fool. Well, we'll find. I guess we'll, uh, I, tab this discussion. We'll look back at it in, in three months. Tim, you're gonna say something. Um, I was just going to. It, he doesn't have like sort of the same. Um, uh, it, his projections aren't sort of displayed exactly the same. But I'm just going to use this opportunity to plug uh, USL Tactics, uh, who I think does a fantastic job. Yes, analyzing the USL championship and um, his playoff uh, projections, I think are, are pretty sharp. So um, yeah, little plug here for the good work he does. And if he wasn't so damn busy, I'd ask him to come on the show, but he's, he, that guy doesn't sleep. It's amazing. I don't think, I don't think he sleeps at all. No. Yeah. It's craziness. All right. We've talked about 10 games left for the hounds. Let's get into the, the nitty gritty on it. Let's run through it. In order, they are sugar-free, last place, not just in the East, in the entire league. Looking like they got a good two hands gripped on the wooden spoon. 
Hotlanta 2, not in the playoff. Charleston, not in the playoffs. Loudoun, not in the playoffs. Louisville, first in the East. Birmingham, currently fourth in the East. Uh, two points up in the live table. Orange County, not in the playoffs. San Antonio, first in the West. Sacramento, currently fifth. Obviously, they're working on an Open Cup thing as well. And then Oakland, last I checked, they were uh, the bubble team in the West. They are down to ninth now. They are two, three points out of a playoff spot, which somehow Vegas is still in a playoff spot. Crazy. Um, so what we're looking at, four games against the four bottom teams in the East. First in the East, the team we're neck and neck with, or the Hounds are neck and neck with, and then four games in the West to finish off the year. Storino, when you look at this this run of ten games, what sticks out to you? Or what what do you feel like we need to be looking at? Uh, I think I said it on a previous show. I think that a uh, couple of games at the very end in the West Coast is going to either be a make or break for top four on us, um, just because we don't have the chance to gain any kind of points with a win and a loss. Just you know, you can't you can't make up points with a loss either. It, it's just going to be I don't know. Uh, hopefully we're going into them with a head of steam and we just kind of kick ass whenever we go out west, play west coast teams. But uh, San Antonio is number one in the west right now and I believe in the league, if I remember. Yeah, they yes. are number one in the league. So um, playing a top team in the league is a little bit worrisome. But uh, I think we got it down. I think we'll be all right. I, won't be, be I will not be at that home game, just telling you now. I'm over t- that hounds are two losses when I'm not there and I will not I'll be make that sure game. to FaceTime. Yeah. Seth, what sticks out to you in these last 10 games? Uh, I see 23 points there. I, I think seven wins, four, two draws. Yep. Four really winnable Two kind of toss ups draws. And I think Tim really talked me into this whole, like, go all in on the winnable matches, take your three points and get some guys some minutes against Loose City and just muck it up. Tim, you, you kind of rallied, riled against the uh, the schedule maker with the Hounds going west for these last four games. Or not going west, but playing against the west in these last four games. Could you envision a scenario where that's actually better for the Hounds? Uh, not seeing any Eastern teams, and then likewise not having any Eastern teams see the Hounds basically for for the last month of the season. Uh, is there any way you can twist twist this into being a positive? Oh, that might be asking a lot um, on this. I mean, I guess you're gonna see a different side, different type of quality. Maybe not different type of quality, but like. If San Antonio needs to play that game, that'll might, might be the toughest matchup that the Riverhounds have, as from a from a like quality side standpoint, right? And it, it's good, I think, just ahead of the ahead of the playoffs, where they're going to be playing all top teams to uh, to have to game plan for for something like that. Um, I mean, like you know, like Serena mentioned, there's no leapfrogging here though at the end, right? You can't, you can't, you know, beat one team and then get benefit from the fact that they also are not getting points from that. No um, six pointers. Yeah, exactly. 
And like, just there's just as an even as a neutral, there's there's no like I want a little more suspense with these teams at the end, right? I mean, the NFL does this with division matchups towards the end of seasons, right? To to make games, uh, you know, a little more important, a little more suspenseful. Um, I mean, how suspenseful, you know, is well, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I was gonna say, you know, Oakland Pittsburgh. I mean, Oakland could be fighting for for a playoff match, and I mean, I guess it's kind of I guess the the story. Okay, here's my positive spin. There is like multi, there's like dual conference suspense, I guess, in some of these, right? Pittsburgh uh, trying to jockey for, uh, and Memphis just got a goal, uh, jockey for a uh, for a better spot. Oakland maybe trying to trying to jockey for an actual uh, playoff spot. So I, I guess there are like you know, there's there's more than a few teams maybe interested in in a lot of these matchups because it is interconference, but. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't agree with it. Not that they can, like, not that, you know, they can't predict who's going to be, you know, in a playoff race at the end. But 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 at the very least, like, attempts to make the last three, four weeks suspenseful. And you do that with, inter, with in, you know, with uh, with same conference, uh, same conference games. Um, yeah. I, and look, I think it's cool that, you, that, you know, East-West crosses uh, like they do. I think that uh, I love watching USL mashups, and I think the more of them I can get, the the better. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know if I could put a positive spin on this. But I'm glad that I've conv- that I've uh, that someone is on board with the idea of, of mucking against uh, against Blue City. Because, like, it's that's how you get the three spot, right? That's – look, Louisville's not, not finishing – uh, lower down than two, right? Tampa could make a run uh, for them uh, if Louisville drops a few points, but like Louisville's staying in that top two, and if Louisville's in the top two, I can tell you Tampa's probably also in the top two, is is the other of those top two. To to jump Birmingham and possibly Memphis, you just need to stack as many points where you can get it, and those first four uh, is where you can get twelve points, and then you can and then a good game against Birmingham, and there you, are, you could be could be shooting for uh, for number three, so. Um, I agree. There's a, there's a lot of points available here. I think they just have to be willing to lose a few against Blue City to do it. Beautiful. All right, we'll put that to the side for now. But we're going to be having table talk and 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 all that happy stuff pretty much every week going into these last ten games as uh, as it's time to to really start looking at what the teams around the Hounds are doing and and look you know a week ahead, two weeks ahead, and and. Who has schedule congestion? All all those little things that you kind of ignore for for most of the year kind of is coming into play now. Uh, big news in the USL: uh, Phoenix and their head coach Rick Schantz uh, did the old split seat today. Uh, they it was labeled by mutual consent, which would imply that uh, he is not getting paid the last two years of his contract. Even though I'm, I'm I think everyone's pretty sure he, he won't suffer to find a job. Uh, Phoenix, good if not great the entire time he's been there, except except this year. A uh, really good team on paper, and it just hasn't produced. Uh, was the shit canning too soon? Not soon enough. Uh, anyone surprised that, that four good years and 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 one dud year get you get you the boot? Or I, I mean, maybe this is a bit of the you know the, the Pittsburgh stays by their coaches longer than most type of mentality, but I think it's a little crazy that, that they let him go. Um, a lot of Phoenix fans seem to be, seem to be happy, really happy uh, that he's gone. Although a lot of it seems to be things other than 
been results driven um, in terms of, of wins and losses. Uh, he may have just worn out his welcome in terms of, of being a friendly face in Phoenix. I mean, they had Tifos out there a month ago calling for his head, and they finally got what they wanted. But uh, Storino, are you surprised that uh, that he's gone? And and do you think it would, the timing was was appropriate? Uh, I, to be honest, I don't pay much attention to West Coast, but I'll you know to what you said to your point in the Pittsburgh mindset. I think it was a little early to get rid of the guy. They're sitting in tenth. I mean, realistically, they could still be in the playoff picture with 10 games left. I think you ride him out um, at least till the end of the season and make your move in the offseason to get rid of him if you ultimately are choosing to get rid of the guy. But, uh, yeah, four good years, one bad year. I, I think it's a little early. Seth, too soon, not soon enough. It's, Happy it's is weird gone. timing to me. Weird. It's like, why, why do you make that change now? with 10 matches left like unless unless you're fully devoted to having somebody already in-house that you think is going to be your next manager that you want to give them the last 10 games to kind of analyze and see how they how people fit into their system and how you know who they want to bring back next year the the timing of it just seems really odd to me um especially because like i'm looking at like shan's wikipedia like he was you know, he had two previous stints as the interim there, and he was, with the exception of the 2017 run, he was very successful in all of those. Like he over 60% win percentage, uh, as in his tenure as like the, uh, you know, as officially named head coach, almost 70% win percentage, which I'm guessing if you look over the last four years, you're probably pretty close to only Bob and Collins as far as like that time period, that level of success in the USL goes. So like, I, I think I'm just more in the, it's a weird time to do it move. Tim, I, I don't think we, we didn't come on here to, to discuss uh, guys getting the boot, but um, how do you see this playing out? Uh, successful coach uh with a bad year and and doesn't get to see it all the way through the only so the only thing that i could think of and i i don't think this is right i think i'm i think that this 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 theory is wrong but it's the only one i could come up with maybe before phoenix ultimately doesn't make the playoffs he requests out of his contract to bid somewhere in the european schedule not up high or anything like that, but who knows? Maybe there's a club in Elsfinken or, you know, Elysian or something like that that's that's looking for, you know, assistant coach that he can. Because like the, the, the timing-wise, that's the only thing I could think of. Because one thing that he's not really getting credit for is, as it was clear, that, like when they went on their four-game losing streak and they were like, holy smokes, we're giving it. Hit, that defense tightened up, and they had a scoreless game against Louisville, a scoreless game against Sacramento, and then a scoreless game against Oakland, and then a scoreless game in Las Vegas in in a matter of five games. And the fifth game was a 4-0 win over Colorado Springs. So then they lose 2-1 to, uh, to Orange County, who, while at the bottom of the table, has to be one of the best bad teams I've seen play soccer. I mean, like they, they can almost score as they want to they just can't manage to win a game uh and they decide now's the time when they are like you said they're not 
they're not far from the play. In fact, sixth place El Paso is only five points ahead of them, and Phoenix has two games in hand. And when you look at the rest of Phoenix's schedule, Atlanta and New York are on that uh, on the schedule. They have to pay, they play uh, Rio Grande Valley twice, a team that this that this Phoenix team can definitely beat. And I I I I don't I imagine either either the people making the decision think this team can't actually make the run for the playoffs which would be horrible or he uh has an idea for a job that he wants to prepare for and start start uh bidding for um but i the timing makes no sense because phoenix still was in a position to make a run for the seventh playoff spot um i mean monterey bay in my opinion is going to be the one to make that run and surprise everybody but um yeah timing very very odd now the timing is is weird i i wasn't considering some sort of european opening somewhere because i can't imagine that he will not have his choice of any opening in the usl that comes up this year he's going to be in demand um doubly so for a team on the west as i mean he's going to know the western teams better than anyone else i can't imagine hmm did Tulsa actually like rehire for their position, or did they just did they just bring someone up as an interim? I can't remember. Uh, Tulsa is still on an interim. <laughs> and, well, I'll throw out, I'll throw out another one for you here. Uh, you have Oklahoma coming back from hiatus. Oh, that's a good point. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I would. Someone could be like, "Yo, Oklahoma's coming back." If I was him, be like, "Okay, well, who else is? <laughs> who else is there?" Um, but uh, but it would make sense in terms of you want that guy in in the job before the offseason hits to start working yeah, on. Yeah, it's a good point because he's gonna he, any job he takes. He's also gonna probably have the you know sporting director or equivalent title with it as well. So he's gonna get to pick the ingredients. And, and uh, Detroit's up to one. Uh, oh, good job, Detroit. By the way, I just realized that uh, I would I mentioned the European schedule and then named the two European leagues I played during the summer. So uh, for anybody who caught that, I, I also catch that that, that error. But tisk, uh, tisk. my po- my my point stands. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Let's move on to some Steel Army news. Storino, you were there on Saturday. We did the uh, kind of on short notice. Did the the school supply drive. And damn it, did we actually do something right for once? Yeah, we did. Um, we did kind of do this on the fly. It was kind of a not last-minute thing. We were talking about doing it, but it just wasn't determined what weekend. Um, so we didn't officially announce it, I don't think, until really Friday on like the socials and stuff. I think maybe you mentioned it last week's show, but really it's Mentioned Friday it, but we didn't put it up on the, on the socials So May, May Thursday or Friday? Yeah, something to that effect. But, uh, yeah, we partnered with the education partnership, um, to collect school supplies. Um, I mean, we did it pretty much out of the back of my car. Um, got a good bit of stuff. And then to our surprise, me and Logan were just kind of hanging there, drinking a beer, chit chatting. And he goes, Oh, Hey Danny, what's up? And, uh, not realizing who he was saying, Hey Danny to turn around and Rivera was there with a couple bags full of, uh, school supplies. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we got a picture with him, uh, holding the steel army is for the children Wu Tang t-shirt, which, is great and uh yeah got some cash gonna uh you know get that into the right hand so we can get it to the children 
Beautiful. You're making the you're making the drop off here. What like in the next couple days or something like that? You're making the drop off, right? I am. Yeah, I got all this. I've actually just left it in my car. To be honest with you, I've just been driving around with it for the past couple of days. So whenever I'm told where to go with it, I will just deliver. Beautiful. You need to make sure that you get like the uh, picture that we always get every year around like Thanksgiving of like Bob and a couple of the holdover players that were like volunteering at a food bank. You need to make sure you get that picture, like handing a bag of like really Michael Scott this up, like handing a bag oh, yeah. of school supplies <laughs> over to someone. Handshake with a giant fake check. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. I wonder what yep. the turnaround on a big fake check is. Let's. I'll run the staples. I'll see what I can do. I, no, I think Jess more than we collected. <laughs> I think Jesse. Uh, I think did, when we did the um, the Mister Rogers thing, Jesse had a big check made. Like he knew like the guy that makes the novelty checks. Because of course Jesse knows the guys that makes novelty checks. Um, so maybe run past him. Surprise me. No, he's he's got that, a guy for that, everything. That's probably the least shocking thing that's ever been said on this podcast. But Jesse, Jesse knows, knows the guy knows for the somebody. oversized checks. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> That checks out so yeah. hard. So we uh, we're going to try it again this Saturday. We are collecting and we're doing this in concert with the club, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, we are doing something for animal advocates. Uh, it is a volunteer-run uh, organization in uh, the West End, so pretty close to, to Highmark Stadium. Uh, we have a whole we we'll have a list of, of things uh, items that we're looking to collect. I mean, obviously, kind of things you would you would imagine in terms of like cat food, dog food, um, and then we're looking at even things you wouldn't expect in terms of like paper towels, dish soap, hand soap, uh, law of clean solutions, which when you think Idiot about litter. it makes makes sense. Uh, but we uh, we'll have everything out on on socials here. Oh, hopefully, I'm, I will try to do it tomorrow on being Thursday. Uh, we will see. Uh, I'm going to uh, to a Wild Things game tomorrow night, which means there's going to be a lot of, of dollar beers, as Seth knows all too well. Uh, but oh, we'll dollar be beers. Yeah, dollar My beer night at the Wild Things. My stomach's still recovering from the uh, dollar stonies a few years ago. And so. I, I plan on, on imbibing with a couple of those tomorrow. Uh, but we'll get that on, on socials uh, Thursday, Friday. I believe it was in the dispatch that, Shoes sent out yesterday, so you might already have the information there. But uh, we're gonna make it work. We're gonna do it again, and, uh, and I think with the with the club on board, we'll probably be seeing them push some st- information out as well. But um, two initiatives in two weeks, and if they both go well, ooh, it's like a it's like turn a corner on this group. Oh, and uh, speaking of Jesse, he got he's got our. Our ticket hookup for the Aloudon away game on Sunday the 3rd, I believe it is the 3rd, uh, the Labor Day weekend. Uh, we will have the show, we have the, on the show notes, I'll put the link, it's also, it's going to get tweeted out and emailed Sunday out the 4th. ton. Uh, the 4th, Sunday the 4th, this is Saturday the 3rd, this is Sunday the 4th. Um, tickets after fees and all that uh, all that garbage will be 15 bucks. so not a, not a crazy outlay. Uh, again, sounds like a, a good number of us are going to be making the trip out to Loudon. Maybe not for the last time. If you've, we'll talk about it when we get close to that. But Loudon really can't make the jump to MLS Next Pro for reasons we'll discuss. So maybe, maybe not the last time we'll we'll be making the run the Loudon. 
we will see. But uh, Tim, that's that's your hometown ish club. Or will we see you out there on the fourth? Uh, it is it is my uh, my my area club. Um, unfortunately, uh, I just booked some travel for over that weekend uh, to visit some family. So. Tisk, tisk. Uh, I know. I uh, when I saw what when I saw I was going to be missing the the Riverhounds match, I was sad. But um, unfortunately, that's it was the only weekend I could make it happen. So uh, I will not be in attendance for this one. What's what's the brewery that we should be visiting out there? Because like, so, yeah, give us the rundown. Where, where do we need to go? Yeah, nearby there's a brewery called Adroit Theory. Devin Kerr even um, mentioned it in our little Twitter thread on when we were talking about uh, when, we, when in a little twi- the little Twitter thread we were in. Um, they, they primarily do like, you know, uh, like, uh, really hazy IPAs or Russian stouts and stuff like that. They're, they kind of go to the extreme on both sides there. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple other like, uh, brew, like, uh, not breweries, but like, be, uh, beer, um, sort of gardens, uh, in the area too, but they, they, they have a few good ones. They have um, partly cloudy, which is a good beer uh, at the um, at the the games itself, uh, and a handful of other uh, decent beers. So I think it's, I think you guys mentioned that last time on on Housey. I actually listen to Housey. If anybody doesn't know, I actually I actually listen to the podcast. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we appreciate the download. <laughs> download. I hit play. I listen to it all the way to the to the last minutes. Uh, uh, well, I mean the last, yeah, the last minute. As soon as the, as soon as the uh, music hits, I'm out. But um, yeah, I I'm disappointed. I will not see Steel Army. Uh, I remember seeing Steel Army a couple years ago uh, when we were fighting. We were waiting out a rainstorm. The rain game or the lightning yeah. game. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. We will uh, hope again. Hopefully, this is not the last year for Loudon. We we can uh, or at least Loudon in in USL. We might be able to make it make a go of it in the future. Uh, then you'll have to make another trip out to Highmark Stadium. I will naturally. We we really like really like Highmark. It's gonna be one of those beautiful places to watch any sporting event that I've been to. Playoff times, man. Playoff time. Because they're the Hounds are ending up at, at least fourth, for sure. Uh, the other thing you're gonna want to keep your Ears out for Mongols is doing an interview with the new president, Jeff Garner. I believe it is going to be next Wednesday. So uh, keep your ears peered for that. Uh, Jeff, we also know, like Tim, we know you listen to the podcast. Jeff, you know how to get in touch with us. Uh, we want you on this show as well. We will save all the softball questions that uh, the Mongols will, will give you, and then we'll take the harder questions uh, after you after you do that show. So come on over and uh, – We'll grill you a little bit on um, what we talked on 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 Twitter's last night. We got Jeff spoke up a little bit when there was a a bit of discussion on how does how does Highmark Stadium slash the Hounds grow um, now that we're starting to see the club go forty five hundred people somewhat consistently. Um, you know what does stadium growth look like? What does attendance Tailgate growth zone look takeover. like? What's that? Tailgate zone takeover gonna have to happen so yeah what what does expansion would look like and he he even at 10 p.m or something like that he was he was willing to respond to it didn't give a, a really committed answer but at least acknowledge that the the question was out there and the discussion was taking place on the twitters so that was cool but yeah jeff uh get in touch well uh, let's arrange a, an interview time to make it happen <sighs> however we uh we do have 
Mr. Bet the USL on, on the show. Tim. Hello. We got yes, that's you. We got uh, roughly 10, 10 games, ten weeks left. Well, not ten weeks, maybe what nine weeks left in the season. Uh, let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little wagering, shall we? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's do it. Let's start off. Uh, let's instead of looking to the future, let's first look back. Uh, one of the craziest things that happened, <laughs> maybe ever. Um, about a month ago, Colorado Springs preemptively apologizes for the roster that they're going to be announcing an hour later, basically apologizing for losing the game that hasn't been played yet. And if you went on your, your local um, sports book, Colorado was still um, fair money to uh, not Colorado, but it, uh, San Diego was still San Diego. was, was plus it. money to, to win. Yes, I I averaged them at uh, even money, um, and it was one of those things. Like I was like, I I don't know if I can get as much as I want down in time for this, but I also like would. There's you're you have a team literally telling telling you that they're gonna underperform against. Yeah, like had it been against like Atlanta, I probably wouldn't have rushed to bet Atlanta, right? But I mean, it's against one of the stronger teams in the league uh, in in San Diego, right? So uh, yeah, it, that was. I mean, imagine like it's one thing when you hear about a team resting starters, right? Like again, like we talked about Popovich, you know, he would sit a lot of the uh, a lot of Spurs players uh, in big matches uh, or against tough teams throughout the season. Um, to to give them some rest. It's like one thing, but it's another thing to sort of get this subliminal message from a tier two tier two soccer team. Like no one's really paying attention to, right? The books aren't adjusting. They're not paying attention to this. It was it was like getting a freebie uh, from from the market. It was um, that's one of the things that makes the USL so wonderful to bet. I was gonna say, and the, the question was, have you, ever, have you ever seen anything like it? And I, at first, I want to say no, you haven't. But then there was the the NBA player prop thing that happened a couple of weeks before that where they <laughs> again I don't follow the NBA that well so I don't remember the team I don't remember the player but basically the team announced that the player was going to was going to so start the was, game uh, so yeah Cla- please yeah so Clay Thompson was coming back from for the play his first game or start his first game for the Warriors after his injury it was a long time, and Draymond Green, who's who's a, a team player, wanted to at least start on the court with Klay Thompson for his time back. And it was announced that that Draymond Green was going to start and then foul to then be substituted afterwards. And people went in and did same game parlays for all prop unders on Draymond Green. Now, let me tell you, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed doing that. Have fun when that book limits you now because you took a sharp when you took an angle on them. So I'm sure plenty of people enjoyed had fun making those bets. But good job of letting the book know that you're you're an angle shooter and and getting your account limited. Now, because this is second division American soccer, do you think that that same fear was out there for people of? No. Yeah. No. So no. it was just time like to I said, push. I, I was trying to get money down everywhere I could on San Diego. Very different, right? It's uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, I just sat. I actually went out. It was a it was a midweek game. I went out. You know, got got money down at a lot of places as I could, and went to the local bar happy hour. It was at that point actually happy hour, and uh, just watched uh, watched the goals go in, and uh, in Colorado Springs wilt, and it was 
it felt almost so, too good to be true. So something I think is really a really important lesson from this, though, and this, and look, whether you're better or not, you know, as fans, you look at lineups, you look at you look at you know how teams perform it, and you have this te- you have this this Colorado team that essentially says we're 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 not starting a quality side and it's not our fault but it is what it is and they're going up against san diego now the the performance above replacement on the colorado team is pretty high right i mean the average bringing an average player or a below average player to sub in for a lot of the strong players that colorado have that's significant just like a week week ago atlanta uh, Atlanta United too. They had a bunch of their starters like not available for rest or injury or whatever it may be, and they were going into New York. Who were I think were getting like they had Caden Clark, and I think they had like so, and like in New York's line was getting hit. Like it was like Gary. I was like, no, 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 no. The the replacement level of who's coming in for Atlanta that gap is so much smaller. Like you're not. It's not this big discrepancy like it is for a team like Colorado to admit that they have. Um, you know, replacement players coming in and, and starting. So um, it's not, you know, it's not an auto play like, oh, this team is is going to the reserves. They're, they're going to suck. Uh, it's definitely circumstantial. And, and you have to think about um, what the difference. Oh, look, the dog's on the screen now. I like that. Um, it's um, you, you really have to think about, you know, what this means for the starting lineup on, you know, the talent discrepancy between uh, who's not in now and the, the replacement player coming in. So we're, we're, again, about 10, 10 weeks left, 10 games left. What trends have you noticed around the USL that I would, would classify as being maybe USL lower league specific that, that, you've, that have stuck out to you this season? Um, the big thing that I've noticed this season is teams that are more defensively inclined than their reputation Um proceeds um the market did not catch up with them and then for some teams it still really hasn't caught up with them uh the two glaring examples are for me are las vegas and monterey bay and el paso actually um these are three teams who we we associate with goals and so their totals were always opening higher but uh, Las Vegas, when they lost uh, Danny Trejo for a few weeks to LAFC, trying him out on the pitch, uh, they had to. They, they were like, "Well, we have to play defense now," and they started playing better defense. And then when the Heat came back, they were able to play both possession and defense. Um, uh, El Paso losing um, who was it? Diego Luna. Like when he left, like the goal fest that was El Paso halted quickly. Right? They had to play a different type of game. He the, the dynamic in that midfield had to change. And then Monterey Bay, of course, gets blown out by anybody they play for weeks on end. And then they get a stadium and they get a culture and they start getting disciplined. And they go like, I think, what, nine games now where, where it's been uh, two or less goals in, the, uh, in a game. They've won plenty by one nil. But again, those, those lines for, the longest time, for a long time were still opening high because the reputation of these teams were that they're part of high scoring matches. So um, the USL, the, the market's been very slow to respond to teams that have these reputations phoenix was is the, the most recent example right where a team is playing much better defense not pushing as far uh, as well on offense um and it's uh yeah it's been nice yeah uh i just i it, something where i, I my weakness because i just i try to watch i try to watch some west but i watch so much more east and pay attention to more that I just, things like that i just i miss and i 
I kick myself way too much when I, after I, I noticed the trend after after it's become a trend, and yeah, it's disappointing. Are you seeing certain certain types of lines that are softer in this league than than others in terms of goal totals, first half lines, anything like that that just seems to be consistently mispriced? Um, yeah. So the two things that I think of really um, te- good teams. So in the USL, you know, home home field advantage really like, truly matters, right? I mean, this is a league where like you know, there's definitely uh, a home field advantage, and and the market sort of it ha- sort of knows that. But what it what the market doesn't do is it doesn't it, it still doesn't balance. Um, a good example is this Memphis game, right? I Memphis going into New Mexico, right? The, the the market thought it was a pretty evenly matched game, and so you're you know for draw no bet, I got an e- I got pick at even money. Um, I'm getting a coin flip on that Memphis uh, can beat New Mexico, who has to play three ga- three tough games in in a week, and uh, Memphis is in my opinion the better side. And on a draw no bet line, right? This you know there's only one result in which I lose, and that's New Mexico winning, and and that's all I'm going to take those odds. So good teams visiting uh, competitive teams that can can compete with their host team being at affordable prices is, is one that I've enjoyed. And then uh, you mentioned it, total total goals. Uh, getting a team to not score, I mean, sometimes you can find, uh, you know, you can find four to one, five to one, six to one on teams that just because they're considered the better team, the, the, the market assumes they're going to score a goal. But um, I think... Uh, to look, I think I think one one was like the most um, uh, is like the most frequent score line in USL. At least it was like a like a month or two ago. Um, like like the, the event of scoring a goal, I think is much is much more difficult than the mar- like recreational betters think think that is, and the market um, of course responds to them. So uh, yeah, the total total goal markets are have been, um, and then bo- uh, both teams to score markets have been pretty interesting as well because um, the you know you'll have it. The San Antonio Loudon match is a good example, right? Both teams to score yes was almost close to even money. Loudon to score, I think, was like minus 140 or something like that. So, you know, lay, lay, lay a dollar 40 to win a dollar. But essentially what, the, what the, the market's telling you is, oh, we don't think Loudon's going to score, right? Because the assumption is that San Antonio is going to score. And then, you, you know, and, and so when you compare the lines, why would you pay a more expensive line for Loudon to score when you could take a cheaper line for both teams to score? When uh, you know when you have the confidence that 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 uh, San Antonio is going to be able to score, so um, I mean that's that's what makes betting fun is uh, searching the, the derivative markets and uh, finding uh, the right angles for for the right game. Are you noticing? How, and I'll say I, I've experienced it more than I thought I would. Now that there's at least here in Pennsylvania, there's you know you're getting more and more legalized books coming in there. Are you surprised? I'm guessing this is kind of a loaded question. Are you surprised at the variety of lines from book to book, and that they're just not all automatically copying each other? Well, uh, I will say I am surprised at how high some of the big underdogs can get um, at a couple books. Uh, Caesar Sportsbooks one where if the if the if the line is high enough, the underdog will be at a pretty juicy uh price you know 12 to 1 13 to 1 i mean a great example is monterey bay going into louisville and they were 24 to 1 in a game in a game 
right? So there was like the market is saying that Monterey Bay has has a war, a less a chance to beat Louisville than the Ravens have to win the Super Bowl. Right. Like that's like, like, like because the Ravens, I think, are like 20 to one right now. Right. So in, in, I don't know why I chose the Ravens, but they're the first one that came to come to mind. But it was like this is a singular match, like singular event. And you're telling me that this team has that that. Uh, and so just by principle, I don't think anybody in the USL should be that sort of favorite against anybody else in the USL. Uh, and so I found them as high as 24 to one. And sure enough, they go in and they embarrass Louisville. Uh, two to nil, and um, I was dancing around my house, um, uh, enjoying my uh, my victory. But um, that's that's the part that gets that that I still we didn't see it so much this year. I mean, I made my bread and butter in in USL betting a year or two, a couple years ago, and just picking off all of these like super steep prices on these underdogs because I didn't think and the the, the the gap in in you know maybe if you had like Tampa I, mean, look, I was about to say I was just about to say maybe Tampa Bay in New York but Tampa Bay went in New York and only came out with a draw right so even the what example that comes to mind there's already a, 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 uh, that's already you know happened where the the team competed so um, it wasn't as juicy as it, this year as it has been but there were still a few instances and uh, and it's. Uh, you know, over the long term, am I telling you what did I expect Monterey Bay to win that game? No, but you play that game 20 times. Monterey Bay is going to win one. So if you give me 24 to one, I'll take it. Beautiful. Have you seen over? I have a question real quick for Tim. Have you seen over the course of the year the books tighten up? Like I know like an NFL, everybody says you're going to make your money weeks one through four. And then the sharps have their numbers and the books are going to counter them. Have you seen the books kind of tighten up as far as the value picks go over the course of the season? So I, I will say the the book this season books opened up fair lines more consistently than in previous seasons. So me and my buddy Nate, who's over at Soccer Winner or soccer, uh, soccer underscore Winners, uh, we him and I do like a weekly spaces, um, our Twitter spaces. You know, we share our fi- he 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 does the fair lines. I do the fair totals. We share them with each other, and then when the, the lines open, we try to figure out what the discrepancies are. And more and more often than not, a lot of lines are are fair. So they're they're opening fair lines more consistently than they have been. But I, I don't think that they're evolving. Cause like, like Monterey Bay, I mean, I, I've been betting Mount Monterey Bay every week for, for 10 weeks now because the market has been so slow to adapt to adjust to the fact that this team is, is final is, is actually better than their first, you know, six, seven weeks uh, showed. So um, I think there is, um, you know, week to week, of course, you don't want to overreact. But if you can, if you can, you know, I watch a lot of matches, right? I got four or five games sort of on and on any given uh, Saturday nights. And um, I have found that I can still still stay ahead of the um, of like the form that that teams are about to take. And it takes the books a little longer to get on that. But their openers are more fair, more consistently there. Um, but sometimes they're uh where they're wrong it's because they're way behind on the form of a team does that answer your question yeah okay nice uh tim anything else i don't need you like screen share anything like show me your charting of it i I trust you (laughs) let's see the models tim show us the models you've made me some money you've made me some money over the course of the season i gotta good ride good very good i like that well um the 
you know, the last 10 weeks is going to be interesting, right? Because the, the teams, it's so easy to think like, oh, because a lot, with a lot, especially with, you know, the, the bottom four in the East being way out of it, right? The two teams are way out of it. The, the West has like, you know, you know, all but two teams are, are out of, are still technically in it. But I wouldn't, I would not be so quick to just assume that because the two teams aren't in it, that they're somehow going to fall flat in the last part of the season. Because other than Atlanta United, their MLS side are playoff contenders. And so who knows what sort of player jockeying they do for to make sure that key players are getting minutes or that or you know if they if they have to call up or send down like that stuff is still in play with these two teams right and so uh the last 10 weeks of any season it's easy to be it's easy to look at what they what where they are and play off and assume assume motivation but with these with these teams that are definitely out of it you can't assume that because they have this whole other dynamic with the mls side nice tim is there anything else we're missing that uh that the people need to know about that I'm just too dumb to, to bring up myself. Um, no, I don't think so. I I really wish that futures markets were a more consistent thing in the USL. Um, it can be books like Barstool and and Bet Rivers and and Unibet had like would it would have them randomly. Um, I think my I have I have Las Vegas at a hundred to one to win the West, which um, I'm I'm. I'm pretty happy with right now, assuming they can hold on and, and keep a playoff spot. Um, and Detroit that's 60 to one to, uh, to win the, um, to win the East, I think. Uh, so I, that they, they had some, some numbers I was able to take advantage of, but that's, that's still one aspect of USL that, uh, that isn't there like, a, like other markets that were, uh, that were used to betting. Got it. Beautiful. Well, let's take that. Let's, uh, let's roll this right into the, uh, what are we, we're calling it this weekend. We're calling it the, the Wednesday night uh, wager wagon because we change the name of the segment every effing week because I can't remember what we called the week before. <laughs> yeah, it's the most. Uh, this is Logan's baby, and he's not. Logan didn't even have a pick this week because he was. I guess he's sleeping with his uh, his Kenny Pickett jersey. He just got signed. Uh, let's run through it, Seth. What were your picks? Uh, I had. One that I know for sure is now busted, which was the Birmingham DCFC under two and a half. Yeah, that's a loser. And then I have Sacramento minus one and a half. At plus 225. Plus 225, yeah. I like that. It's a little brave, I think. Tim, what's your plays for the night? Uh, I put I made sure to put them in the documents that way it was documented before uh, before we got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had in on the MLS side I had Atlanta New York Red Bulls over two and a half that got there like I said at the death. Um, I had Detroit plus uh, uh, plus uh, 0.75 that ends up getting there, and then I have Memphis both at Pickham and at plus 180 on the money line. They are currently up one nil in the 60th minute over New Mexico. Uh, and I like how that looks at the moment. So it uh, looks like a decent night. Solid night in the Lawson household. Yeah. Starina, you still alive? Petting the dog? I'm here. Nice. Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, I went with um, my typical uh, OC to score the first goal for two units, OC to win one unit. 
I don't know the odds. I just like those. OC uh, was uh, minus one thirty two the last I checked on the win. I forgot to look up what the first goal was going to be on them. Uh, refresh your doc. Also, Logan's picks are on there. Oh, too late. I, I print the paper out. Uh, if you got it, read them out. Uh, I, I don't know what it means, so maybe Seth can read it and understand uh, it. He had, <laughs> um, oh, he had under under half a goal at uh, in the first half, which. Uh, which one, I think, right? Or oh, when, for yeah, what Memphis, game? Did, when did Memphis score? Oh, yeah. And, and when did Memphis score in the first half? No, they scored in the first half. I'm sorry. So um, I don't think that gets there. No, it does not get there. No. Uh, Yak had uh, Birmingham and D.C. also had, had took the other two and a half goals. That does not Orange get Orange County home. has already scored. Orange County. Wait, is there a Orange 10 County's o'clock? up 1-0. No. Yeah. Orange County's up one 0 so that that uh, Orange County to score first uh, gets there. has paid. Uh, That's a pay for me. Nice. And I took, and that's not good on on. Um, well, no, actually, that's not me because I'm so worried. I'm at the eleven. I'm at the eleven o'clock game. I got uh, Colorado at plus one fifty five on a draw, no bet. Taking two units of that, uh, and then Vesti uh, was Detroit uh, over. A uh, what did he take over half a goal? I believe it's what he took. Yep, and that got home as well. So good on him. Hey guys, um, we have a game for the Hounds come up this uh, this Saturday at home. Let's talk about it for a little bit. Uh, the beloved hosting Sugar Free for what will be the last time ever because uh, they are not making the playoffs. They being Sugar Free. Uh, and they're going to move to the MLS Next Pro League next year. So this is going to be the last meeting ever between the Hounds and and Jersey 2. Uh, as we've already mentioned through various conversations so far tonight, New Jersey, last in the East, last in the USL. They got, uh, at this point, basically two hands on the wooden spoon that they're going to have to take with them to a new league. Three wins, 18 losses, three draws. Of those three wins, two of them are against Atlanta 2. Um, their manager who came in this year, Gary Lewis, did not even make it one full season. He got shit-canned in early July. Uh, their assistant, Ibrahim Sikaya, I believe that's how you pronounce it, he's now in charge. Uh, they're still playing their classic Red Bulls uh, 4-2-3-1. The previously mentioned by Tim, uh, Caden Clark, who is now technically um, with Red Bulls Leipzig, oh, but he's still sorry. back on loan with New York. Uh, he was sent off last match, so... Uh, kind of their big star-ish player will not be making the trip to Highmark. Uh, long story short, this is not the the we develop players, but also put out a decent product uh, uh, Red Bulls team anymore. They are just um, they're just a developmental, not putting out a good team product Red Bulls team for the last year in the USL. Um, Storino, what do you expect now this match besides? Um, well, I, I guess that'd be a low question to say besides a besides a Hounds win, but what are you expecting from this match? Uh, outside of a Hounds win, it's hard to say. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of rotation. Um, like I said earlier, I think this is a game if Bob really wants to do any kind of experimenting with uh, the keeper position, this is the game to do it in. I don't think he will, but I mean, it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be a bad idea to be honest, just to see. Um, or at least get some, you know, get a rep in for somebody. I don't know who he would put in. Probably, you know, 
Bosvik, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who he would even put in at this point. I don't know who he considers as number two, That's really. Because Vosvik um, and Silva have been kind of going back and forth on the bench spot lately. Yeah, it's hard to say who he would even go for. Um, I don't know. Maybe have one of them start and maybe just not even put Jamali White in the 18. I really don't know. But uh, outside of that, yeah, I'm kind of bummed I won't be at the game. Um, this should be a good game for a, you know another sold-out crowd. Hopefully a lot of goals, and maybe this time there'll be a little more energy in the stadium. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious, kind of what we talked about last week, uh, Yabara coming off of his red card uh, suspension last week. I had the little chat if, if he's going to be in, in the Bob Lloyd doghouse. So I'll be curious if he is if he is back in the 18, given his week off in the – the poor performance that led to led to the bad turnover that led to the the, the second yellow. Uh, see if he makes it back into the eighteen. Seth, what do you got your eyes on? I think I'm all in on the like rotation. I think we might get a Dan Kelly start, which I feel like hasn't happened in a while. So I think we might get a full 60, 70 out of a Dan Kelly, and then depending on the where we're sitting at that point and possibly, you know, brought Kiza in. I think he came in like 55th minute of last match. So I think we might get to see him come in and cause a ruckus towards the end. Tim, we don't have prices on this game yet. Uh, uh, I don't even know how, how far out you have any sort of modeling on this. What, um, what would you expect a price to be on, on this Hounds match? And what do you expect in, in the game itself? I would expect to have to lay two to one or one to yeah have to lay two to one uh, on the Riverhounds. Um, I mean, they should be a goal and a half favorite, minus two hundred uh, on the money line. Look, this is a New York team that has scored a total of fifteen goals all season. That is nine worse than the next one of Loudon, who has twenty four. Fifteen goals. That is so bad. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with Storino. They should. Uh, this is the time to try to to get to get a starting rep for another one of your goalkeepers, and and just you know make sure they get that experience because, um, yeah, do you? I mean, look, they they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't score easily. They managed to pull it off uh, in the in the last minutes, but they like they couldn't even score easily against Atlanta, who just like opens up their net to whoever whoever cares to have it. So, uh, I. I make the total, the fair total on this three, and there's no way I would take the under. I think it's 3-0 Riverhounds. Um, yeah, two by Dane Kelly, one by Ciceroni. Ciceroni? Ciceroni. Ciceroni. Okay, let, me, let me get my boy Dixon. I like Dixon. That's like one of the – that's like when I look at when I look at Riverhounds lineups and Dixon's not in the starting lineup, I actually get a little concerned. Like when I like if I have action, like when I watch him, I feel like I, I I feel like I see him, you know the his the way he plays and like how he I don't know my qualitative assessment the little bit that I've watched the Riverhounds is that whether or not he's whether he's directly or indirectly involved with plays like he really matters in the in the quality chances that the Riverhounds make so um, anyhow I'm I'm excited to watch the Riverhounds beat up on on Sugar Free. No, I'm I with you that I I think of if there's any one player that the, the team changes most when that person is or is not in on the field, it is uh, Mr. Hugh Alexander Dixon for sure. Um, we'll probably be having this conversation as we get a little bit closer to Stu Army Player of the Year voting, but you might have an idea of where where my vote's going if we had to cast it right now. 
I have a question for the more seasoned USL fans in uh, on the panel here. All right, here we go. What what is the allure of MLS Next Pro? Huh. Like, like, okay, the four worst teams in the league are gonna go to another league. Oh yeah, I'm gonna let me run over there and watch that shit. I don't. <laughs> what, what's the appeal? I don't I, like. What what are they selling us? Every like. Ever since I started watching USL, the two teams have been a joke. I w- I, I'm not around the USL long enough to, to know Red Bulls to, uh, you know, their their heyday. Uh, as like I remember, the Tacoma Defiance were pretty good last last year. I guess they were competitive. That was their but first like, time. That was around your being competitive, though. Yeah, like I don't, I, they, okay, you're taking all of the teams that sit on the bottom of the table of this league and putting them all in their own league. I don't get, I don't get what the draw is, and the logo looks like trash. Well, that, I do the, not know how. The that, fact that they've stuck with that font after they yes. got dragged through the mud, I thought Dude, that was going to change in a couple weeks, and they, they they they've doubled down on it and they use it for everything. It looks like a flyer for a punk rock show when I was in high school. Like I. No thanks. And I, I, I do not get the. I want to be into it. I can't. I'd much like the NWSL is so much more interesting to me than MLS Next Pro. Like, give me, give me, uh, you know, Kansas City Currents and Washington Spirit and the rest of them over all those two teams sitting over there in MLS Next Pro. I don't get it. Uh, they're not even trying to make it uh, spectator friendly. I mean, they. <sighs> They brought this league in, saying that it wasn't going to be the the development the development the the, the developmental league 2.0, and it's exactly what it is, except it has Division Three sanctioning. That's all it is. Yeah. I I don't. And we talked about it a bit on the show last week about them trying to go into some some smaller markets that are close to where the the first division team is, and how that's lining up a bit of a you know. Issue such as Irvine, such as Huntsville, Alabama. I mean, are they going to use these these bad Division three teams to kind of dupe some some smaller cities into thinking that the you know, hey, go put put you're going to have MLS next pro in your in your community, and that's amazing, and that's awesome, and that's way better than who's ever heard of USL, whatever that stands for. You want to be with MLS next pro. And I, that's what they're going to try to sell these, these, you know, city councils and all those on when it comes to getting financing for the stadiums and all that kind of stuff. And I, it's a, it, it's a bit of this, it's like selling under false pretenses. Yeah. And that's how I see it. At least that's how I see this, this, the con playing out in the next five, six, seven years. And I, I hope the idea of of DC United putting their own team in MLS Next Pro and leaving and then leaving an independent club in Loudon is ultimately what happens because I want my club down the street to be a part of the USL structure and not in Next Pro. Well, I mean, they're I mean they're definitely not going to Next Pro. They can't. Have you heard that? So I I've heard people say they're not going. I didn't. I don't know why or if that's like if it was like a this year or ever. No. Thing. So what uh, what is what happened? What has come out? And I was going to save this to when we played Loudon, but hell, let's go down the road now. When they signed the deal with Loudon County uh, for the the stadium and all that stuff, all the finance came with it. 
part of the agreement was that the team playing in that stadium would be a Division Two team. Oh, so they good. cannot go to Next Pro with Division Three sanctioning. So the question that now is, and we have to assume that there is a, a you know, they, they're signed on for X number of years. So either DC is going to be running a Division Two team in Loudoun and a Division Three team DC Two somewhere else, and they're going to have they're going to have two two teams underneath DC, or they're going to have to find someone to buy buy Loudoun. So, I, not enough people are talking about what's going to happen there, and no one seems to, at least publicly, is saying how that's going to play out. But it, it might be one of the more interesting, you know, yeah. subplots of the off season. What happens with Loudon and their operations? But uh, I, I, we can all but guarantee you that they're they're not going to be in in uh, MLS Next Pro. But uh, who owns them and what they do? Now, I think what you just said would be the the ideal scenario. They find someone to buy. To buy Loudon and they become an independent, uh, independent side, yep. and now you have and an then, actual team. And then DC United puts their their reserves in MLS Next Pro. Yeah, yep. So who knows? Uh, gotta get back to my notes now. Um, uh, Seth, any any final thoughts on on Sugar Free going into this going into Saturday? No, oh, I just. Take care of business. Grab three points. Like you know, rotate probably 70 percent of the lineup through. Maybe see another goalkeeper, but I'm not too worried as far as the sugar free goes. I mean, Tim made the point very clear. The offense isn't even anemic at this point. It's just they try to show up and not put the ball in the back of the net. So hopefully, you know, hounds clean sheet, but here we go. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be, I mean, you're going to, uh, it's not gonna be a very good price. Um, I'll, I'll probably have something on like, uh, like two nil, three nil, like exacta scores. I think. How often do you uh, bet exact score lines? Very, very rarely. Okay. I've probably done it maybe twice or three times this season, but, um, this is this is a case where I, where I might. This just feels like a few goals for the Riverhounds and New York just not being able to do any do anything. The last time I bet exact scores was going back to the the Hounds um, Birmingham playoff game because they just played that playing game on a Tuesday and then had to come to Pittsburgh after. And I was so confident the Hounds were going to take care of business. I bet the Hounds at two nil, three nil, four nil, and five nil, thinking, oh, I'm you know I'm getting it somewhere, and then they. Put in fucking seven. <laughs> I was never. Yeah. As a as a fan, you're like so upset by no. But suits. I mean, when he gets the five nil, like I I don't remember what the price was, but I'm like I I the dollar signs are, are running through my head, and all of a sudden they pop in a, a six. Like you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So and I don't think I don't, I don't think I bet it. This is also one of those matchups I look at, especially like if we're kind of preparing for rotation that like someone we haven't seen in a while is going to go out and do something spectacular. And next week we'll be sitting here going, why not? So-and-so like, why, where do they fit into the 18 now? So it's, it's like, it's definitely team chaos kind of week for us, which we are the chaos podcast. So, I mean, it makes sense. Louis Argudo comes back from the dead and puts in a brace. 
What's what's kind of what's kind of interesting about the um, from a from a power ranking standpoint, pit the the next four games at the bottom of the of the East, like you go through, you start with a bottom and progressively get tougher. In my opinion, um, uh, you, you can argue who's better between Loudon or Charleston, but I think Charleston is worse on the road than Loudon is at home. So I, I would still so like it's uh, like they can. <laughs> Pittsburgh can kind of take its time in the first couple couple games to to you know and then sort of progressively get back to a you know normal rotation and, and stuff. But now you have yeah. me imagining the old Mortal Kombat where you they had the That's exactly they, how I was thinking. They had the they have the ladder and you start at the bottom and you go the first four up, but yeah. then after four you're jumping all the way up to to Louisville. Right, you're putting in the cheat code and, ju- and jumping all the way to the top. You're putting your cheat code the rest of your players and uh, <laughs> just go. Move on no, as soon as you started team. saying that, I'm like, I'm just picturing like like the hounds like slowly going down to the bottom of the ladder to start off. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <sighs> well, guys, we've successfully made it over 90 minutes. It might be time to uh, uh, send this bad boy home. Storino, we haven't heard your your lovely voice for a while. You want to give us any any final thoughts or or what you learned tonight? What did I learn tonight? Um... I heard a lot about betting, didn't learn much. Uh, final thoughts, I think uh, I think the Hounds are just going to kick ass this week and uh, got a somewhat easy road ahead of them. And I think Tim made the great point of no one to take the loss and, you know, rotate the team out for the, you know, for the greater good for the long term. Tim's got everyone on, so, on the, the, the baggage against Louisville train now. Yeah, oddly enough, I, I think it makes sense. So, yeah, well, uh, we'll I'm, pass I'm the notes on to Bob that. and see what he thinks about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be Bob totally shocked. If, I mean, it, Bob does what he wants. Would I be totally stunned if all of a sudden, yeah, you know, Jabara and, and, and company are all of a sudden, yeah, they're, um, or Toby Sims all of a sudden gets a nice start and Ardonias gets his first day off in months or something like that. I wouldn't be crazy. Seth, what'd you learn tonight? Final thoughts for the kids. Uh, I learned that Jesse has the connection to novelty <laughs> checks. So he does. I'm definitely keeping that in the back pocket for a rainy day. It's good to know. Tim, what'd you learn tonight? And then uh, where, where can the people find you when they, uh, uh, you know, in your various forms of communication? Yeah, I, I learned about uh, the deal with Loudoun County having to be a Tier 2 team. I was unaware of that uh, that detail, so uh, that was news to me. Uh, I am on Twitter at BetTheUSL for, for USL stuff. I'm at The Better Life for other uh, gambling-related things. Uh, I host a podcast, at least for a couple more months there, um, that if you're if you're into sports betting or casino gaming, you might be interested in. Um, yeah, that's me. Thanks for having me. I, enjoy, I, I listen to Houndsy every week. Yeah, and, uh, uh, the reason you're, you're stepping aside on on the Bear Life podcast here is you're 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 doing the family life here coming up. That's right. That's right. In fact, uh, excited, I, nervous. Uh, I'm uh, I am both excited, nervous, uh, terrified. Terrified is probably the <laughs> probably the <laughs> the one I'm feeling the most. But uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, I look forward to bringing my daughter to to USL matches and. So I think it's the first time you dropped the the boy or girl, at least that I've heard. That's right. Yeah, nice. my little baby girl is going to own my life for the next eighteen years. So, Seth, you got any advice? 
Uh, as a fellow girl dad, uh, it's the greatest thing ever, and the terrified state doesn't go away. <laughs> so uh, I'm almost three years. It'll be three years uh, end of October, and I still feel myself in that constant state. So just just learn to live in it. That's that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Like it's very good. Nothing ever goes to plan. So just make sure you have like plan like E F and G ready to roll at any right. given time. Because even the first like five never work out the way you think they should. Are we? Are we? Know, at, uh, at, sorry, go on, Tim. I was gonna say, if we catch any whiff that Bob is on board for for the rotation, I will try to convince the wife to go to Pittsburgh for the for the Louisville game, so that way I can at least be in attendance for for the uh, for the for the the grandmaster plan of getting Pittsburgh into the number three spot. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's a rotated uh, Hounds versus a gas Louisville at Highmark, I mean, that could be interesting. Could be. Could still come away with a point. Yeah. And still keep on moving. Yeah. Man, I, this is weird. We're like ending, ending an episode in a very like wholesome, uplifting way, as opposed to last week where we were talking about Seth getting pink eye. So, <laughs> jeez. I... Also, also true. I guess we'll um, we'll send this this home and uh, and feel good about what we're spreading out into the world. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorek. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcast in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Seth, Stevie Serino, and Mr. Tim Lawson, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.